You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. Off day Monday, it leaves us a little less to talk about. We have a minor league signing to to talk about on the show. We're going to give due to some of the players that were cut that I promised to do earlier. And we'll just kind of go through and with time permitting at the end, talk a little bit about this Cubs series. Uh, I do want to take a quick moment at the top of the show and tell you today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto, longtime sponsor. Everything you could ever need for your car, you'll find it over at rockauto.com. So where to start? Let's start with the minor edition. Matt Koch, uh, if you are not familiar with him, a little bit understandable. He pitched in Japan in 2020. Uh, much like DJ Johnson, neither of them were particularly great over there. Now, DJ Johnson has pitched well in the minors so far this year. Uh, there must be some scout they trust, some reason why they're going out and bringing these guys in, because typically you only bring over the guys who kind of light you know, light it up. And these are not those guys. The, these guys were uh, with Koch and Johnson, you know, for instance, in 16 innings, Koch's ERA was a 7.88. He had pitched with Arizona in the big leagues in over parts of four seasons, 36 games, 16 of them starts, right-handed pitcher, 0.6 war for his career, former third round pick in the Mets out of Louisville. So comes from that, uh, you know, just great developer of college talent that is the University of Louisville. Big thing, he's, you know, he doesn't walk guys, fits that approach. Doesn't miss any bats, has never missed bats at any level of the minors and the majors. Didn't miss bats over in Japan either in 2020. I, you know, we know that the Indians are good at finding, you know, an extra gear, finding some velocity, uh, making pitchers better. They can't, Control is not something they tend to fix. They draft guys who already have that control and that command and then are able to help them find another gear. Maybe they can help Matt Koch find another gear. It's interesting, again, as a third-round pick, I mean, even at his peak at Louisville, he was an eight-strikeouts-per-nine type of guy. Throughout his minor league career, which was eight seasons in the minors, 5.9 strikeouts-per-nine, now 1.9 walk rate. That is what drew the Indians to him. So I'm curious, I'd be curious to hear, you know, what exactly is it besides the fact, I mean, he does fit their profile, but even in terms of their profile, he just doesn't miss enough bats. So it makes him, uh, you know, kind of a name that's there, but we'll see what opportunities he gets. I believe he's starting in AAA. So let's instead switch gears and talk about some of the releases. Uh, It's kind of interesting. I actually had someone ask me uh, if Pedro Alfonso Alfonseca was still with the Indians uh, in, earlier this year. They were trying to track it down. And I said, well, I, I don't see any sign that he is not. I think he must still be in there. And I'd be surprised if they let him go because he's a guy that they drafted twice in the 39th round in 2016, 17th round of 2017. Typically those guys, they go back and draft again. They... You know, they're committed to, they want to give that player an opportunity. I think Alfonseca being 23 years of age, he just got stuck in the numbers game. Uh, you go back to 2019, the last time he played, it was in Indians Blue and Mahoning Valley. Now he was old for both levels. And 
you know, he did not play well in Mahoning Valley. He did play well in the Arizona League, but very old for that level. And it just kind of numbers game caught up with him in the, the time. You know, you want someone who is essentially a high school junior or sophomore when draft or high school college sophomore and drafted to step up and do a little bit more. Uh, and without having that other affiliate this year and with only having one Arizona site, not two, uh, there's no spot. Someone like Alfonseca uh, is one of the guys who gets let go. Again, a little bit unusual for a guy. I mean, he was drafted in 2017. So you're just talking about four years after his drafting. But, I mean, he never he got into Mahoning Valley in 2019. Of course, there was no 2020 season. Uh, for a guy drafted twice to not see them give him a little more time. Uh, maybe the most famous name in this group, Jesse, I'm going to butcher his name, Bear Berardi, who I loved this pick uh, in the 10th round. Uh, I thought it was kind of amazing back in 2017, same draft as Alfonseca, that they got Karen Chalk in the 9th out of, I should know it was the university, I'm just blanking, and then uh, Berardi out of St. John's. Like In some respects, I liked him more than I liked Karen Chalk. We've seen how that's turned out, but... Here's this cold-weather bad who had been an excellent performer in college. Uh, you go through that final year, didn't strike out a lot, and just seemed to be someone who was constantly getting better. Unfortunately, in the minors, I mean, he never posted an OPS over 600. Uh, best at any point in time was around 690. And he was always old for the level, and he just didn't move through, and he also got caught up in the numbers game. And if you're going to be one of the older middle infielders in the minors uh, when they have so many middle infielders you have to perform and he hadn't performed let's see he was yeah I mean he's already 25 years of age so turned 25 in January uh, I, you know he is a player that I think anyone who's really following kind of a little bit of a disappointment I think we all expected well, he was a top 200 prospect when he was drafted in that class uh, but with his age with them not having anyone to really, for them having too many infielders, I should say, uh, made sense. Ulysses Cantu, we talked about him recently. He was one of the highest paid six-round picks in franchise history. Uh, the minute he was drafted, I called him a DH. I just, the bat was always an issue. I think he had caught some, played some first and third in high school. Uh, he was this bat-only prospect who then proceeded to have, you know, really struggled to hit. A 619 OPS for his career in the minors, 207 batting average, it's over 638 at-bats. Got some time up at Lake County, uh, multiple attempts there, but it was, it just never came together. The uh, the bat did not end up working out, and, you know, when you're a first-base-only prospect, it is easy to, uh, to move on from that player. Again, got caught a little bit in the numbers game, but just for all these guys, it's a numbers game, but it's also a lack of production so far. Jekyll Contreras, first, third, and second. Uh, another guy, he's 21 years of age. Never left Arizona. Never really performed out there. And, you know, they cut back on an Arizona affiliate. I don't have a lot of info on him. Uh, through his minor leagues, you know, 642 OPS. Again, lack of production and uh, infielder type. Moises de la Cruz, another player they let go, shortstop, second baseman, left fielder, five foot eight switch hitter. Now he's interesting because he's only nineteen and they already moved on, but you know he never got to Arizona. He was always Dominican Summer League, and 
the numbers there were an OPS barely over 500. That's why they moved on. And they have so many infielders that just, that was end of the line for him. Abraham uh, Figor, Fig, I know how to say this name, but I'm not saying it right. F-I-G-U-E-R-O-A. Uh, another guy, he never got out of Dominican Summer League. Part of the reason there, I mean, honestly, it's his walks per nine were 11.6, while his strikeouts per nine were 6.2. A lefty, uh, freshly turned 20, mostly as a reliever, but I mean, with that walk rate, that's why they moved on. And it's, again, you know, when you're looking at guys who never even got to Arizona, I, I don't have anything, really. Uh, Jothson Flores, another infielder. He did get up to Arizona, but didn't have an extended look there. A little bit older, I believe, at 22 years of age. Career OPS in the minors, 677. They have a lot of infielders. Eric Heredia. Uh, he had come over from the Phillies. The Indians added him in 2018. He didn't, in 2019, he spent some time with the Indians and the Brewers. You know, maybe it's just a split Dominican Summer League team. Uh, no, he's listed as a Milwaukee affiliate. Interesting, you know, he's listed as someone who's released, uh, even though his last season was with Milwaukee. I don't know if they let, I mean, he was just a guy who had been let go a bunch. Uh, six foot four relief pitcher, depth guy over there, not really, hadn't, hadn't been bad, hadn't been great, just a useful depth arm. They don't need that with all the cuts. Uh, to system length, your next player is Gaspar Palacio, another infielder. Got up to Arizona uh, across all levels of 575 OPS, and they have infielders for days. Uh, Juan Rodriguez, guess what? Another infielder. Barely got up to Arizona, OPS in his minor leagues, 47. And then Connor Smith, this is the last one I can actually give some information on. 30th round draft pick in 2018 out of Western Michigan. I struggled his first few years, but he was. I liked that draft pick. You could probably find my write up uh, somewhere on Connor Smith. I thought he would be a good, useful, like utility infielder for the uh, the Indians and the Miners. Now his minor league OPS was a six twenty nine over two seasons, and he did. I mean, he got up to Double A. He struggled there, but he got up there, used in that utility role. Again, I, he's a guy. Most other systems, he's still kicking around. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up latching on with another organization. Indians just have infield depth for days, so much so they don't even have enough spots for all of their prospects. I was talking with Pat Ellington, who's going to you know be on the show uh, as a co-host with me, and we were talking about Lake County, where you know you got Aaron Bracho at, at second base, Brian Ricoyo at shortstop, and then Jose Tenia, who some people like as much as those two, uh, and he is the guy who is going to be kind of the utility bounce around. Uh, that's the crazy depth in system, and that's also why... You know, when you're sitting there talking about Owen Miller and all of his production in AAA and in the minors in general, you know, he's playing first, third, short. They're trying to make him, uh, I always go back to, you know what, we'll talk about that in a second. Let's take a quick word from our sponsors. We'll come back, talk about Owen Miller, talk about Lenny Torres. So let's start off by talking about one of our newer sponsors, and that would be uh, Sports Trade. We talked about Sports Trade before. They're trying to reinvent fantasy. It's where fantasy meets the stock market. It's like Robinhood for fantasy sports. It's a platform that allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. Finally, a f- 
fair and exciting way to cash in your knowledge of sports. And they just added baseball. So it isn't just, oh, I'm going to add this guy because he's a high-level performer. It's supply and demand. If everyone else wants to add him, then it's also going to cause their value to go up. So the important thing is to, you know, buy low, get those talented players, find them when they're, uh, before they're broken out, before they're going to make a huge name for themselves. I mentioned before, finding J.D. Martinez before he becomes J.D. Martinez. Finding that player who is undervalued and underappreciated and buying them at that point before they become, you know, an extremely talked about player. Getting Shane Bieber before he's Shane Bieber, right? But, you know, this is a guy who was never a top 100 prospect. That's what you want to do. You want to go find your Shane Bieber over at sportstrade.com. Discover this fun and exciting and profitable new way to do sports trading. And everyone out there knows I get excited when we get a new sponsor. And we got that with Credit Karma. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma money, you can win cash reimbursements for debit card purchases. Credit Karma is a brand new checking account where you win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you could win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay for your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. So every time you spend, there's a chance that they are going to essentially give you that item for free and credit you for that money. Credit Karma has already given away $3 million in Instant Karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance required, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning at Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instantly. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB, MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So let's talk about Owen Miller because everyone is. Let's be honest. Like He is on the tongues of many right now because of how well he has played and how well he has looked. And he's just one of those guys where you have to appreciate the story, the background. Like, he was not a big-name player. This is not a guy who, I mean, to some people, he was in overdraft when you get down to where he went. And then he was like a borderline top 10 prospect with San Diego. Like, I can find an article from last April where he was top 10 in San Diego. San Diego's system was better in the Indian system here, Indian system now. Yet somehow he comes to the Indians and sees his stock drop. Like he is listed almost not in any top 10 list, even though this is a guy who was borderline top 10 in a better system. I, I don't get it. But he ended up being a third round pick out of out of Illinois State. And I, I'll be honest, I would have had issues with his draft profile just because of the imbalance and walks to strikeouts. Now his junior had improved, but you're talking about a guy with a 19 and 16 percent strikeout rate with a low walk rate in college at a a lesser institution uh, not to knock illinois state but it's not like it is a major program there in the missouri valley conference uh 
this year, it's the smallest of sample sizes, so I'm not going to get too upset about the fact that his strikeout rate is over 30%. We'll see if it sticks that way. Uh, if you were curious over, at, well, this is not the stats I actually wanted to see. Never mind. I was going to pull up Illinois State's Major League ones, and instead I pulled up the 2018 stats. But uh, again, he's in the minors. He's not hitting for much power, but he has been... I mean, almost without fail, a 300 hitter. His career minor league average is 307, 367 on base, 441 slugging. Some doubles pop. Not much home run power, though he did show a little bit in the Texas League, but a lot of players show a little bit in the Texas League, if we were being honest. Uh, in terms of the profile, you know, he was mostly a shortstop before he got traded. Second base, third base, he even has played some first this year in the at, at Columbus. I don't know. Yeah, I, if, could he be Tony Phillips? Like, that's the name that always comes to mind for me. Uh, you know, Marwin Gonzalez maybe was more the modern day version of that, where he was playing kind of like infield and outfield. I don't know if Miller is really an outfield type, but in terms of being like an infielder who plays every day and gives an off day to someone, maybe. Maybe that could be something that makes sense. What I do know is he, he hits, he's consistently hit. Now, the other side of this coin is, I'm going to, you know, I don't know if I want to jinx to this degree, uh, but when you have that player who's got kind of a limited profile in terms of there's not a lot of home run upside, they're maybe not the best athlete, uh, they, you know, have a strikeout rate that can get a little bit higher, uh, he is not dissimilar in production uh, in the minor leagues to some degree to uh, Jake Bowers. In terms of average is different, but on base throughout his, you know, for 361 and 414 for Bowers, you have 367 and 440 for Miller. So on base production is about the same. Power is actually a little bit better for Owen Miller. That might be a little bit surprising, but it's because he has had the doubles pop in that last year in the Texas League. The home runs were there. Uh, we'll see. It's I almost worry that he is getting a little too much hype, that people are expecting a little too much. Uh, and he is probably a, you know, it, it's the same thing. And the profile, I mean, honestly, though, if you're looking at a profile similarity, and it's Ty Freeman. They're the same type of guy. Neither really walks enough to allow me to get excited about the upside. In both cases, you're betting on like plus hit tool, doubles power, and solid infield defense. I, I, I see a high amount of similarity between Ty Freeman and Owen Miller. And we'll have to see. Uh, I think both of them could work as starters. I... I have a little bit more safety in Freeman, but it is, I mean, and I'm as guilty as anyone with this. It's like, it is interesting that those two players are ranked so different. Like one, like some people have Ty Freeman, the top prospect in the system, and they don't even have Owen Miller in their top 10. It's like, explain to me the difference. Explain to me for a couple of guys who are shortstops, who most think have to end up playing uh, second base, who don't walk at high rates, who don't have a uh, big power potential, who their best tool is a hit tool, 
explain the difference, explain why it is drastically different. Uh, by the way, their slugging percentages in the minors are identical at 441. Uh, and Freeman's got a higher batting average, higher on base, though he, you know, we'll see what happens as he progresses in Akron this year. But yeah, it, 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 to some degree, one could argue that Owen Miller should be the higher-rated prospect because they are so similar, and Miller has done it in the upper levels, and Freeman has not yet. Uh, just something to point out. I mean, like I said, I, I had Freeman second or third in system, and I had Miller like 13th or 14th, and you really start looking at it, and you're like, it's not like there's more tools. It's not like there's a better athletic profile. I mean, they, these are two players who... I, they're twins. I mean, statistically, at least Miller had the one huge home run season, again, in the Texas League, but uh, in huge home runs was 13, but compared to, you know, the, through his career, Ty Freeman's had seven as, as a comparison. But the profile, the upside, everything, it's, it's very, I mean, Owen Miller, Ty Freeman could be the same guy. More and more I look at that, and I'm like, either... I, we're all undervaluing Owen Miller, or we're all overvaluing Ty Freeman, or maybe it's a little bit of both, but it's certainly something to look at and consider when we start talking about prospects that can help the Indians sooner rather than later. Let's also take a moment and talk about Lenny Torres. Lenny Torres hadn't started in three years due to Tommy John surgery, and then what happened last year? So he got out on the mound for Lynchburg on Sunday. Goes two innings, gives up three earned runs on two hits, four walks, has two strikeouts, Coming back from Tommy John, uh, it, it's more dramatic, at least when I'm looking at like college, high school, low minors players, guys like that, where they come back and the control is an issue. Now, Torres always had pretty good control for his stuff. You know, he's more of a fastball slider, doesn't really have that third pitch, and control is an issue when you're returning from a major arm injury. So I don't think it's really anything to get too worked up upon at this point in time. I mean, he's in Lynchburg. I don't think we'll see him move up the line. He's going to be in Lynchburg on a limited innings count because, again, he didn't pitch in 19 or 20. So he is the definition of a guy who's probably at like 80 innings max this year. But it's just nice to see him on the mound. And and there are those who put his ceiling highest of any pitching prospect in the Indian system. And there are those who consider him a top 10 prospect. It's a little rich for me because I still seem, you know, 70-30 chance that he's a reliever instead of a starter. But I do understand why people like him, like the profile. I, the two pitches are both potential plus offerings. Good athlete, quick arm, but the size, the build, the lack of a third pitch, and the loss of developmental time really pushes him as a, I mean, a chance for an excellent reliever, like a high-end, back-end type. I don't want to come across as I'm like exceedingly low on him, but that's just where I kind of see Torres. But again, after not pitching in 19 or 20, it's just great to see him on the mound. Let's uh, take a quick sponsor break and go look at our good friends, betonline.ag. And remember, when you go to BetOnline, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50-5-0-50% bonus on your first deposit. Let's see what the line is on tomorrow's game. Uh, Cubs versus Indians. Uh, Azaleh versus Bieber. No surprise that the one and a half runs is going to the, is going, are going to the Cubs in this one. Money line, negative 170 for Cleveland plus 157 for the Cubs. Over under on runs is seven. Uh, that is one of the lower ones of the night. And I think that is in large proportion because of what Shane Peeper has done. If you think that is a good line for either way, 
Remember to go to Bet Online today and use that promo code Locked On to get your five zero fifty percent bonus. Remember, they are also more than just sports over there. You can go find for yourself. There's ebooks, there's esports, there's casino games. So much over at BetOnline.ag, official partner in all things lines and more when it comes to Locked On. I know I said we might get to the Cubs in the third segment, but I'd actually done some other legwork uh, before the show began, and the Cubs in general. It's the same team outside of Jock Peterson, who is playing better of late, but started off very weak. Uh, Peterson in for Schwarba, and then you've got, is that really true? I was looking at Chris Bryant is playing some outfield, some left, some center, some right for them. Hayward's playing some right and some center field. Matt Duffy at third base, who's been not great. Uh, Javi Baez came back from injury, and he is at short. You got Rizzo at first, Contreras at catcher. Uh, David Bautier is the second baseman as Nico Horner hasn't gotten that old friend alert. Tony Walters is their backup catcher. They have, but it's, you know, at its core, it's still that same team. Uh, we skip Kyle Hendricks, but Azale, who we talked about on yesterday's show, along with Davies, uh, fourth pitcher, Trevor Williams, who the Pirates just cut rather than pay. This is a team Aiden transition. I think that's the nicest way to put it. They're going to lose so many players at the end of this season that, I mean, they could own the uh, 2022 draft, depending on if they just sit there and go crazy on uh, offering arbitration. They're currently third in the division. They could also try and make a bunch of trades, but uh, there's kind of a, a stacking value in my mind when you have that many free agents, where it's almost, unless you're going to get a great draft pick, if you trust your scouting department, if you end up getting like three, well, then again, it's the Cubs. And with the amount of money they spend and the way the rules have changed, they're probably still better off trading players and getting draft picks because they're not going to get high draft picks because I always forget about the rule change. Uh, they would get like the equivalent of, I want to say, likely a third rounder for each of those players. So yeah, they can't even own the draft. I take that back. Everything has changed with the rules. They can't get those high comp picks. Uh, so I mean, do you write it out and then... It's a hard situation to be in. It's a no-win scenario for that front office. They have a lot of talented players that will be leaving town soon. And, I mean, kind of the cardinal sin right now is you go back and you look at Schwarber, who they cut, uh, who at points had high, high trade value. Teams were crazy about him. You look at you Darvish, who was a Cy Young candidate a year ago, and they essentially gave him away to get rid of his contract. Uh, the unforgivable sin for me is that they're essentially – losing talent and have nothing to show for it. They're not restocking in any way. And this is a team that's minor leagues are fairly weak. Uh, it's not an ideal situation. It's going to be a long, painful rebuild for Cubs fans. I did want to quickly say I had started looking because I've talked about so much about the the Rule 5 crunch uh, to the point that I'm sure people are sick of even hearing me say the word Rule 5. But I kind of wanted to go through and we'll like go a little bit more in depth on these teams but just looking at the early standings and seeing like what organizations and what teams conceivably would make sense as trade partners. What teams do we know would trade talent for three to four prospects that aren't feeling the crunch? Uh, one of the worst teams in baseball is the Detroit Tigers. Uh, I just don't think they're going to be willing to sell. Uh, trying to find a situation where they as a team are willing to throw in the towel. It's... 
it's not going to be easy to locate. I don't know where you go through and find the the player or yeah, you because know, they're this is supposed to be step one year, and said they've been miserable. Uh, I don't know what they do or uh, how they go about trying to improve uh, as a team. I also don't think they're going to sell off. I don't think they're going to just pack up the bag and go home, as it were. I think they're going to keep with their, you know, keep things the way they are and hope that they can rate that chip a little bit better when it comes to the Tigers. So then what other teams? You know, you got the Orioles. Conceivable, yes. Uh, The biggest problem for an Orioles team, though, is just health. Like, they've already gone through and made their moves and their trades, and Santander is probably their best trade asset, and he said... 62 games, and it's been a not good 62 games. Cedric Mullins is far and away the most interesting trade piece uh, we talked about in the offseason, and his defensive value was off the charts, and he's walking, and he's hitting for power. He's got six home runs. Uh, he's worth 1.6 wins. At uh, Do they trade him? What do they do with him? I, I don't know. Very interesting player. Uh, that's the guy to probably look at in terms of that team. And like I said, we don't have the time really on the show today to dive into the rest, but the other teams that could be interesting in terms of, I don't think the Nationals, in spite of their struggles, are willing to say they're not a contending team right now. Uh, I think the Pirates, but they're pretty well picked over. Uh, The Rockies are just, I mean, whoever steps in should be selling off everything. And those those are probably the teams that stand out. Diamondbacks are conceivable. Uh, it's a team where they could look to unload, especially you know if the Indians can find a way to shift a little bit of money or to be able to take on more money. That is another team that I think wants to shift some money around, uh, free some things up. So that could be another team to talk about. And we'll talk about kind of the D-backs, the Rockies, the Pirates, the uh, the Orioles. Those are kind of the teams I, well, I guess I already kind of talked about the Orioles. The teams that I'm looking at when you're talking about like who is a team that is bad enough to conceivably sell a player who has two to three years of control for you know three to four interesting prospects because that is what the Indians have to do. That's really what they have to be aggressive in finding is those matchups and those partners just based on where they are as a team and where they are when it comes to the talent level. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked In Indians Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. That helps our show. Uh, we were top 10 in Italy and Australia this week, I want to say. So thank you to those fan bases uh, just outside the top 200 in the United States. So let's keep pushing, help uh, jump up past those other teams in the American League Central. Uh, I thank all of you out there who do download daily, listen, and the like. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.